This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Can I ask you a question? Which is harder for you to do? To give something or to receive something? For me, receiving, hands down. Because when I'm giving somebody something, I'm just talking about it in a natural sense. I'm not talking about where God's concerned. I'm just talking about it in a natural sense. When I give somebody something, I've done something for them. But when I receive something, I'm having to let somebody do something for me. I'm having to accept something that I had nothing to do with. Now, it's easy to take a position that, hey, I'm a self-made man. I'll make my own way in life. And there's an element of that, there's a, a, a characteristic of that that's positive, that's good. You can take responsibility for your own life and so forth. But that can go way out of bounds. You apply that spiritually. What can you do for yourself spiritually other than think God's thoughts and act according to what the Bible says? And even the source of that is the word that you had nothing to do with. So you can make a determination. I will be strong. I will be a person of faith. That's a choice. But the source of all those things to base that choice on still comes from God. So ultimately, you didn't do anything except accept it. That's what the Bible says is humility. Humility says, I had nothing to do with what Jesus did for me. He did it all. What did he do? Isaiah 53 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That word peace is translated prosperity in the Old Testament. That means he took punishment for your financial well-being. And with his stripes, we were healed. Four things, three categories. Sins, sickness, and financial well-being. Now, the Bible says, I know religion doesn't say it, but the Bible says Jesus did all of those things on the cross. Religion says... Well, the sins part, yeah, he did that. But not the healing part. That's not for everybody. And not the financial well-being part. That's not for everybody. Well, who gets to pick and choose what the Bible says? Who gets to pick and choose what's true when the Bible says it? Same verse of Scripture says Jesus did all three things in one verse. And so somebody's going to say, well, part A of the verse is right, but not part B and C. Really? So God spoke it. His word is in design to accomplish what he sent it to do, meaning save from sins in part A, save from financial poverty, part B, and save from sickness, part C, but only part A is right? I want to stand by when somebody has to answer for the Lord to the Lord and say, well, yeah, I'm the one that said only the sins part was true. I want a front row seat for that. And I know a lot of preachers that are going to be in that position. You do too. Some of them really famous. Some of them got really big crowds following them. And the people in those crowds are going to say, well, pastor, so-and-so said it didn't belong to me. And Jesus is going to say, what did my word say? Yeah. Folks, you're not responsible for what I say. You're responsible for what the word says. That's why don't, you don't, don't believe me. Check it out for yourself. Did you find First Peter 5 yet? Okay, let's start here in verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. So he's saying, young folks, listen to the old folks. Old folks have some good wisdom to, to share with us. 
But that's not the only people we need to listen to. Then he says, yeah, all of you be subject one to another. In other words, be willing to listen to anybody. That doesn't mean everything everybody says is going to be right. That's why it's important for you to know what the Bible says so you can judge what somebody else says against the Bible. But I've been just totally shocked throughout my Christian life at some of the wisdom I've heard coming out of people that were younger than me. Shocked. I've had people say things and I won't act like it's a big deal at the time and I'll think, man, that's great, I'm going to preach that. (laughs) So you see what he's saying. He's saying, don't think you know it all. Be willing to listen. Be willing to learn. Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. What does he mean, be clothed with humility? He means willing to be accepting of what other people say, accepting of what other people do. That's true. In other words, humility is about accepting something, not taking a position of giving or pushing away. Humility is about receiving. He's saying, be willing to receive wisdom, no matter where it comes from. Now, not everything you're going to hear is wisdom. So you're going to have to know the Bible to judge for yourself. So he says, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for, because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, clearly... The people operating in pride are the ones that are saying, I'm not willing to hear. Clearly, the prideful that he's talking about are those that won't accept, whether it's coming from a source they don't like or coming from some some source that they think is beneath them or for any other reason. The prideful are the ones that that say, I won't hear that. And the Bible says God resists those people. Now, if we're all supposed to take a position of being willing to gain wisdom from one another, how much more should we take a position to be willing to gain wisdom from the Word of God that's eternal? And if we take scriptures like Isaiah 53, 5, and say only the forgiveness of sins part belongs to us, not the healing and not the financial well-being part, then wouldn't that qualify for the same principle of pride that Peter is speaking by the Holy Ghost? But the ones who say, well, now, God may have a plan for sickness in your life. And we just want to be open to whatever God's will is. You can make it sound real humble, but the Bible defines it as pride. So now we're faced with a dilemma. Do you accept what people say is humility or what God says is humility? And folks, that's the age-old question for everything about life. Do we accept what the world says or do we accept what the Bible says? Well, we've gone through several different scriptures proving the mouth of the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We looked at at least three. We could look at others, but we've looked at at least three where the Bible says thinking God's thoughts and operating according to what the Bible says, which are God's ways, will bring success in your life. So when you're making your decision, do we listen to what people say or do we listen to what God said in his word? One way works for sure. And that's God's word. So he said, God resists the proud. God resists those that won't accept what he's saying. Whether it's through other people or whether it's through the written word. God resists the proud. What does that mean? That means if you resist healing scriptures, God resists you. 
If you resist healing scriptures, count on keeping your sickness. Yeah, but a lot of the people that are resisting the healing scriptures are praying, Lord, heal me if it be your will. And then they don't get healed and then they go away saying it's not the will of God. Well, wasn't it the will of God? Yes, it was the will of God. That's why I gave you the scripture telling you so in the first place. But the will of God just doesn't automatically fall on you. What did we find out from Romans 12 too? It only works when you are conform, when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's when you determine or experience the will of God in your life. So if you don't think in line with healing scriptures or what God says in healing scriptures is his will, you're not going to have healing in your life. Why would it be any different with finances? If you don't think in line with what the Bible says about God's plan for you financially, then you're not going to experience God's will financially in your life. And folks, we could go, we could go as basic as you want to. We could get down to ground level. You can't get saved unless you think right about salvation. Because somebody is going to share with you about Jesus. If you don't allow that to penetrate your old way of thinking, if you think instead, well, they're saying that Jesus died for my sins, but I don't believe that's right. I believe everybody has to answer for themselves. Okay. Then you'll get to answer for yourself. Jesus died for your sins, and when you get there, you'll find out you could have had it. You could have been saved. Well, what stopped you? Was it the will of God that stopped you? God didn't want it for you? No, it was your wrong thinking that stopped you. Jesus said in talking to the Pharisees, he said, you make the word of God of none effect by your traditions. The word traditions means reasonings and preconceived ideas. Jesus told people in his earthly ministry, he said, you can stop the word of God from coming to pass in your life by thinking wrong. So here it says, God resists the proud and, and, and gives grace to the humble. And the humble are always those that are receiving what God is saying to be true. So what should we do? Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore. In other words, get on God's side, not against him. How do you do that? By taking sides with his word. Thinking his thoughts and doing his ways. Living according to his ways. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, why is it that religion says that God humbles us? We're all familiar with that. Well, God humbles you. You folks, you name it and claim it people, you faith people, you just wait. God will humble you. Yet every place you find... That the Bible talks about humility in the New Testament. It tells you to humble yourself. Never says that God will humble you. It tells you to do something about it for yourself. Why? Because humility has to do with your willingness to receive. And God can't control that. If God could control people's willingness to receive, he could make everybody get saved. But then man wouldn't have a free will and choice. So why does religion say that God humbles us? That's not what the Bible says. So now we have a dilemma. Are we going to accept what, the, what religion says connected with the devil? And folks, you've got to realize the devil is really smart. He knows exactly where to get you. He knows that if he can get you thinking that you're being prideful by accepting the truth of the word, you'll turn your back on the word, which is your only source of hope. It's your only source of blessing. It's the only way for you to experience the will of God in your life. So he's got the church bamboozled thinking that they're walking in humility when what they're doing is walking in pride. 
I'm not sure where, exactly sure where the devil lives, but he's got to be laughing his head off at the church. Jesus gave us the Holy Ghost, who is the greater one, the one that's already overcome. He's gave us, given us greater power. He's given us authority in his name. And the church is walking around thinking they're in humility when they're operating in pride, resisting God. So what's our job? Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. God's job is the exalting, not the humbling. Your job is the humbling. Literally, let's, let's exchange some words. Instead of humble yourself, let's say, use the word receive. Because clearly that's what he's talking about in the preceding verse. He's talking about being clothed with humility as being willing to receive. Even from people that are younger than you, even from other sources that you might not expect it. He's talking about being willing to receive. So let's use the word receive for the sake of this verse for understanding. I mean, the translators changed some words for understanding. Why can't we? Receive therefore, receive therefore from the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That's exactly what he's saying. It's exactly what he's saying. He's saying God exalts you when you're willing to receive. Why? Because when you're willing to receive, you're not saying, I'm doing this on my own. Folks, I want to remind you what the Lord told me to begin with when we started this series. He said, teach the word so that the people renew their mind to wealth. What does that mean in light of verse 6? It means be willing to receive so God can make you wealthy. That's what exalting in due time would mean in this context, wouldn't it? Now, I know the devil's right there on some of your shoulders saying, well, that doesn't mean finances. Why? God spoke about finances, didn't he? He gave us instruction about finances. He told us to think his thoughts in every area. Wouldn't that include finances? So why wouldn't it mean finances? Why wouldn't it mean receive from God that he may make you wealthy? Why not? Well, I, I just, I just don't know. Here's that false humility, which is really spiritual pride in disguise. Think about what that means. Well, I just don't know. Really? God said so, but you don't know? Wow, you must really be something. Because God said so, and his word never changes, but you don't know. Seriously. That's how spiritual pride disguises itself. It gives this, well, we just want whatever God wants. Well, he's been pretty clear about what he wants, doesn't he? He sent Jesus to die for your sins. He sent Jesus to die for your sicknesses. And he sent Jesus to die for your financial well-being. That's pretty clear. So we say, but Lord, whatever your will is, he's already accomplished his will. Jesus already died. What you do with it from there is up to you. Join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service with Pastor Mike Webb. Christmas is a special time here at Foothill Family Church. I want to especially invite you to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We have a chance to celebrate when Jesus came to the earth to be our Savior. Come join us this Christmas Eve. Again, that's the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. December 24th at Foothill Family Church. For more information, go to www.mikeweb.tv. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. He's not finished talking. He's on the same subject. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
Is there any way that can't be talking about what you think? Have you ever cared about anything that you didn't think on? Certainly not. The things that you do care about are the things you are thinking on. The things that you're worried about are the things that you think on. The thing, worry is just meditating. It's meditating on the circumstances. Worry is just meditating. It's the reverse of meditating in the Word. It's meditating on circumstances. It's thinking and considering and talking about circumstances. That's all worry is. Now, folks, if worry worked, the church would be powerful. If worry was the answer to anything, we'd be, we would overcome every situation we face. Wouldn't we? It doesn't work. Somebody said worry's like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but you don't get anywhere. But it contradicts the Bible. It's taking sides against God. So he says, humble yourself, be willing to receive from God that he may exalt you in due time in the context we're talking about. Make you wealthy. Bring his plan for wealth into your life. Casting all of your care upon him. In other words, think his thoughts and not according to your circumstances. Not according to your emotions. Not according to the things that are going on around us. Casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. He'll take care of it. God does not need your mental energy to make his word work. Boy, that's good news. Well, what does he need then? He needs us to be willing to receive. Now, he's not finished talking yet. He says, if you do this, if you're willing to receive, if you're willing to accept the word, if you're willing to think in line with his thoughts, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have opposition. Verse 9, be sober, be vigilant. Here's that word sober again. Don't be moved by emotions. You know as well as I do that whenever we step out in faith to, to stand on the word of God, our emotions come under attack. Usually those emotions are coming, uh, come under attack by circumstances we see or things that we hear. Those things are designed to affect us emotionally. For the, and the devil hopes that we will turn our attention from the truth of the word over to whatever we see and hear and feel. Because if he can get us over in the seeing, hearing, and feeling stuff, then we're, we're resisting, we're operating in pride, resisting the word instead of being humble to receive. So he said, be sober, be vigilant, keep your eyes open, be on watch, be on your guard. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, please notice it does not say he is a roaring lion, it says he's as a roaring lion. And notice it does not say he is a devouring lion, it says he's a roaring lion. What is a roaring lion like? He makes a lot of noise. You ever been on the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland? They have a little loudspeaker in there hidden in the bushes. Where it sounds like a lion is roaring. I have yet to see anybody jump out of the boat because of that. (laughs) Well, why do we jump out of the faith boat? Because we hear noise. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he's going to make noise. Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, folks, if he had the power to devour you on his own, he wouldn't be looking. He'd be eating. He would say, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is eating people right and left. No, instead it says he's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for permission. And unless you give him permission, he can't devour you. Any of you ever had the devil tell you that this sickness is going to kill you, even if it's a toe ache? (laughs) Why in the world does the devil have to threaten you? 
If he has power over death, why does he have to threaten you? Why doesn't he just do it? And so many times the devil says, well, if you do this, then I'm going to do the other. Why? What's he waiting for? If he's so big and if he's so tough and if he's so powerful, why don't he just do it? Why does he have to threaten you? The fact that he's threatening you shows you that he can't. What, he's going to give you one more day to get stronger in the Lord? But then he's really coming after you. Seriously? The fact that he's threatening you tells us that he's operating just the way that the Bible tells us he does. He's looking for somebody to give him permission. Don't give him permission. You decide, not him. But you will have opposition. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, as a noisemaker, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Who's going to give him permission? That's what he's looking for. Who is going to let me pull them away from the things that will bring them victory? Who's going to allow that? And folks, he has a target-rich area with most Christians. So what should we do? Well, Paul, who by the Holy Ghost is telling us that if we'll receive from God, he'll exalt us. He'll bring victory into our lives. Even though you have an adversary, remember that he's looking for you to give him permission to devour you. So therefore, verse 9, whom, speaking of your adversary, resist steadfast in the faith. In other words, he's saying the devil's looking for you to give him permission. He's looking for you to get in unbelief, so don't do it. Stand strong in faith. That's how you defeat the enemy. Now, folks, that's humility in action. Humility in action says the word of God is true, not because it had anything to do with me, but because Jesus did it and God said it. Financial provision is mine because Jesus paid for it, not because I'm some hot shot. It's mine because the Bible says so. I had nothing to do with it. And every time the devil says, yeah, but who do you think you are? I'm just somebody that can read. (laughs) I didn't have anything to do with the work. I just can read. And the Bible says if I'll receive what God has already done for me through Jesus, he'll exalt me. Now, I know I'm going to have opposition. And that opposition is going to be an attempt to affect my emotions through the things I hear and see and feel. But I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm going to stand strong in faith. Bless God, I refuse to have anything less than what God said because what God said is true. That's humility, according to the Bible definition. And that's what religion will tell you is pride. Religion is exactly the opposite of the truth. When it comes to receiving from God, at least. How much does God want you to have? I believe everything God wrote about what he wanted his people to have belongs to us. I believe the Old Testament is just a type and a shadow of what belongs to us in Christ. We've got it better than they did. And they had it pretty good. The Bible's real clear on saying Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You go back to the curse of the law, you'll find out that poverty is a big part of that curse. Well, Christ has redeemed us from that. Folks, the reality is this. When you humble yourself, you receive from God. Humble yourself and receive his plan for wealth. Now, we'll talk more about this as we go, but let me, let me close with this. You look at times where the church faced its greatest challenges. You'll see that those are the times where God brought 
an influx of finances to his people. Because when the time gets short about something or in a certain area, God always makes sure that there's provision. I don't think you can get any more important than the shortness of time that we have left in these last days. If Israel spoiled Egypt before they came out of the world, what are we going to do before we leave the world? I think I need to say that again. In the Old Testament, before Israel came out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. They took the wealth of Egypt, which uh, represents, illustrates the world. Well, the Bible says Jesus is coming back for the church. We're going to be leaving the world. We're going to be raptured out of here. Well, just before they left, God brought silver and gold to them. What do you think God wants to do to his church before we leave? Well, Pastor Mike, what do we need silver and gold for if we're going to be leaving? To get the work done before we go. Just like they need the silver and gold to to give money to the tabernacle, the building of the Old Testament tabernacle in the wilderness, we need the money to get the work of the gospel done before we get out of here. Folks, I'm not looking for wealth so I can have a bigger house. I'm not looking for wealth so I can have some new car. If I can't believe God for the house or the car I need now, then who is he? That's part of daily bread stuff. I'm believing for wealth so that I can get the work done. The Bible says Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. How is he going to reach the precious fruit of the earth when the Bible says it's the foolishness of preaching that he's given as the vehicle for people to come into the kingdom? It's got to be the preaching of the gospel, and the preaching of the gospel costs money. I don't need more money for me to buy a new suit. I can believe God for that. I need wealth so that we can get the work done around the world. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean by spectacular increase. And you see it over and over and over. Well, I'll show you. The further we go, the more I'll, I'll, I'll bring these things out. You see it over and over and over. You have one pattern right after another. The way God does these things for the people. His people. We're coming to the end. Why don't we all stand? Folks, this is burning so big on the inside of me. I have trouble stopping Maybe they need to change my clock every week. I don't know. <laughs> but this is so big on the inside of me. And it has nothing to do with money per se. It has everything to do with finishing the work of the gospel. Yeah. Prosperity is not about money as far as I'm concerned. Prosperity is about freedom. It's about the ability to do what God puts on your heart to do. That's all prosperity is as far as I'm concerned. Adam was the most prosperous person, the human being on, that was ever created. And he didn't have any money. He just had control of everything God created. Prosperity is about freedom. And if you're not free financially, then there's some part of God's plan that you can apply to get free. One thing for sure, we can't give what we don't have. That's why I want to have. The greatest sign of humility is to receive what the Bible says belongs to you. Many people in the church look at it just the other way around. They think that it's arrogant to claim the promise of God. But to do otherwise is to trust in yourself rather than to trust in God and His Word. Thanks for watching today and come visit us at Foothill Family Church. Join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service with Pastor Mike Webb. Christmas is a special time here at Foothill Family Church. I want to especially invite you 
to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We have a chance to celebrate when Jesus came to the earth to be our Savior. Come join us this Christmas Eve. Again, that's the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. December 24th at Foothill Family Church. For more information, go to www.mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.